0: We are in 2 Samuel, chapter 21, and in this chapter, we see David growing older. But chapter 20, it closed with Joab, David's general, killing Amasa. Amasa was made general over David's troops, he had formerly been Absalom's general, but as uh, he's given a position by David, kind of a token of peace for those who have followed Absalom and now are clinging to David. But um, Amasa has been given a command by David to gather the men of Judah gather him in three days, and Amasa, you come with them. Amasa, he delays obeying King David. And basically, he delays it to the point where he becomes disobedient to David. For David, he is urgent. He wants to squash the rebellion of Sheba, He sends uh, Abishai, and Abishai gets Joab, and they pursue Sheba. And along the way at Gibeon, Amasa shows up, wanting to go with them in the pursuit of Sheba. And Joab, David's general, he fakes a friendliness to Amasa, and he openly kills him in a grisly manner. He basically spills his intestines upon the ground and lets Amasa lay in them. And then Joab, with troops that are loyal to David, he goes and he comes to Beth-Makkah. And he begins to siege this city when a Wise woman from the city wall says, why, Joab, are you intent on killing the entire city? Joab tells the woman, give us the head of Sheba and we'll leave. She delivers Sheba's head. She throws it over the wall and Joab does. Good to his word. He departs from uh, the city with his army. But now we come to chapter 21. David, uh, in a period of time, has solidified himself as king of Judah. But David is now growing old. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 21. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and David, and the Lord answered, It's because of Saul in his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the, ch- the children of Israel had sworn protection to them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal, For the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore, David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall we kill any man in Israel, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of the descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chooses. And the king says, I will give them. But the king spared Meshavisheth, the son of Jonathan, and, and the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Meshavisheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ahai, whom, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Meshal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up with Adriel, the son of Barzilla, the Meholathite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibbonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, and all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ahai, took sackcloth and spread it For herself on the rock, and from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured out on them from heaven, she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ahai, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from the men of Jabesh Gilead who had stolen them from the streets of beth where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Gilboa. So he brought them up the bones, and Saul the bones of Jonathan his son were there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son in the country of Benjamin Zela in the tomb of Kish his father, So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that God heeded the prayers for the land. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbonab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he would kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zuriah, Zuriah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened afterwards that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. The Sibashai The Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. And after there was a war at Gob, the Philistines were at Elhanan, the the son of Jer, or or Jim, what names? And the Bethelites killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was war at Gath. Where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant at Gath and fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. David... Is informed by the Lord Saul, your previous king, killed many of the Gibeonites. Therefore, because of this killing, Israel now suffers in a drought of three years. The Gibeonites suffered because of Saul's cruelness. The Gibeonites were not Israelites. They were given a promise way back, 400 years prior, by Joshua, that they would not be destroyed, and that they would be servants of Israel. But Saul breaks this oath of Israel to the people, and now... Payday has come, and Israel is in the midst of a three-year drought. And when you're in an agrarian society, three years of drought means famine. God has expected Israel to keep their promise of peace. Time has not revealed Israel excuse me, has not relieved Israel. 400 years has not relieved Israel of their covenant with the Gibeonites. It's interesting how the Lord works in mysterious ways. And he, and he comes and he's now bringing drought on Israel because they broke their oath to the Gibeonites. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. I try not to make promises to God that I will soon forget. I try not to make promises that will take on a temporary status. It's better not to promise than to promise and break your promise. This was a 400-year-old promise, and it was broken by King Saul. Now God tells David, Israel's drought, their famine, is a direct consequence of Israel breaking their promise of peace to the Gibeonites. 400 years later, So David, he calls for the leaders of the Gibeonites. And he says, what can I do to show kindness to you for us breaking this promise or this covenant of peace? David wants to make things right. The Gibeonites, they say, hey, we don't want silver. We don't want gold. We don't want you going out and killing a bunch of people for us. But the Gibeonites, they want seven descendants of Saul, and they want to hang them. Hang them for the the slaughter that Saul and his uh, family have done to the Gibeonites. But David, he spares Meshibosheth and Armoni, but he delivers seven of Saul's descendants to the Gibeonites. Now, these seven descendants, we're not told who they are, but they are probably men who have benefited from the killing of the Gibbonites. The Gibbonites hang these seven men. They hang them on a hill and they do it before the Lord. And that phrase before the Lord indicates they did it with God's approval. This hanging, this capital punishment by David relieves the curse of the drought that is upon Israel. In Galatians chapter 3, three we see how Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And it says, for cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is a future typology of what Jesus will do. This curse is justified by the hanging of these seven descendants of Saul. Capital punishment. These seven men take the penalty of Saul's killing of the Gibeonites. We're not told of the details, but it was during some part of Saul's reign that he killed these Gibeonites. And notice the bodies of these seven men that are hanging. Their mother holds a vigil over them. And not allowing wild beasts or birds of the air to consume them. She's watching, taking care of these bodies. And David hears of her taking care of these bodies. This mother who is mourning for many days. And David takes their bones and he burns them and gives them a public burial the bodies of these men who were left hanging there, emphasizing how these men were, were executed as an act of judgment from God. After the burial, we read, God then listens to the prayers of Israel and the drought is broken. Justice has been served. God was faithful to tell David why the drought persisted. Remember verse 1, year after year after year. God lets David know why Israel is in trouble with their famine. When our prayers are not answered... We can wonder why. There may be something in our life that God wants to deal with. There was something in the lives of Israel that God wanted to deal with. And there's three ways that God answers prayer. Three. Yes, no, or not now. That's it. No other answers. (laughs) You get a yes, a no, or a not now. We love to hear the yeses. Oh, I'm big on the yeses. I like those. Uh, where God intervenes for us and providing for us out of his goodness. And the no's can be simply no. We ask amiss. And God has the right. He's sovereign to tell us no. Not going to answer that one. In Sometimes we hear a no when we ask for things that are apart from God's will for us. I try to be careful to give God thanks for a no answer as I do a yes answer. But the not nows, the not nows, is when we find ourselves asking for something in the wrong time frame. We're not prepared to receive a yes answer from the Lord, and he must deal with us, so he gives us, not now. David inquires of God. We're in the middle of a famine, and it's been three years. And in that uh, agrarian society, three years in a famine, people are starting to go hungry. Why the drought, God? It took three years... Of drought to get David's attention. And God reveals to David, he says, I'm going to tell you why there is a famine. Because Saul killed the Gibbonites. And God gives David's a solution. Seven men, seven descendants of Saul, give them to the Gibbonites and let them hang them. Seven men who more than likely benefited from the killing of the Gibbonites. And they have to die, capital punishment. They have to die to remove the curse that God has brought on Israel. It's three years of famine. Now, today, in our world, one of the hot topics is global warming. Have you heard about global warming? There's drought in many parts of the world. Deserts are taking over farmland, over cropland. We have lakes, huge lakes in uh, Central uh, Europe and Asia that are drying up. I live on a little farm. I have three little creeks that run on my farm farm that give my cows some water to drink, but we're in sort of a drought, not a severe drought, but we're in sort of a drought. And unless we get substantial rain, I'm going to have to begin watering my cows. No big deal. I have got a well, I can water them, but it's kind of a burden that is brought on by drought. And as a farmer, we have a lament. And our lament goes something like this. Man, do we need rain? That's pretty much what a farmer calls for. We need rain. And we do. (laughs) But uh, that lament goes on and on. But in verse 18, the Philistines go to war against Israel. David, he's older now and he finds himself fighting against the Philistines and he grows faint in battle. David is no longer the young warrior, the giant killer that he once was. Abishai, one of David's mighty men, comes to his aid. And when David's strength fails, Abishai kills the giant who attacks David. David David, and his men remove from this battle. They have a, a, a victory that's temporary, but more battles with the Philistines come. And there's more giants that come. There, in fact, there's four giants. And these relatives, their relatives of Goliath, are slain by David's mighty men. Thus, David is not the only giant killer in Israel. And David's life goes through transition. He goes from being that great warrior, that leader of battle, to a man who now encourages those those mighty men of valor that follow him. And we read that one of these giants had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. That's four too many. Four too many. And that messes with my math system. Based on a 10 system. (laughs) I uh, I went to a graduation years ago. One of our young people was uh, graduating and he was a valedictorian. And I'm sitting behind a lady and she's holding the program and she had two thumbs. I couldn't get over the fact she had two thumbs. I'm sitting there just looking. And both of them worked. (laughs) She had two thumbs. I'd never seen that kind of thing. She must have been a descendant of these giants. No. (laughs) But she had two thumbs on that left hand, and she held that program. And you notice things like that. But David, he's in transition. He's growing old. We're about through the life of David. He has one more episode where he sins, and he numbers the people. But David has been a fearless warrior. You remember how he slew the giant Goliath? And he asked asked Saul, he said, who is this man that defies the armies of Israel? And David, along with the help of the Lord, kills Goliath. And his life has now kind of been spent. And David transitions from great warrior to encourager. He now encourages his men to also be giant killers. Many times we need to be encouraged to take on those that would come against us we need to be encouraged to take a stand for Christianity take a stand against abortion take a stand against homosexuality against gender gender issues take a stand don't go along with the status quo our world would lead us into having their own opinions about different things, but God has told us His standard. Take His standard and promote it. Chapter 22 is the Psalm of David in 2 Samuel. It's similar to uh, Psalm 18 and David writes this at the end of his life. So take a few minutes this coming week and read the 22nd chapter of 2 Samuel and compare it to Psalm 18. They're very similar. And you will see the gratitude of David come forth for how good the Lord has been to him. And that should resonate with us. How good... Has the Lord been to each of us? I can honestly say I have no. Faults to find with my Lord. In him being the good shepherd. He has been more than faithful to me. But here we are. Almost at the end of second Samuel. And. uh, We see. David and the changes that's come and gone in his life we see david's sins and his repentance and we see all of david but uh this morning let david's life be an encouragement to you david goes down as a man after god's own heart not because he didn't make mistakes because he made many but I believe it's because David had a heart of compassion, and he was quick to repent. So let that be said of us. Amen. Let me get you a stand. We'll close in prayer.